0: 1210. Cool. All
1: right. Let me pull this up. Thanks for doing this, brother. No problem. I had so much fun last time. So, yeah.
0: All oh, right. Ready to rock and roll, brother? Cool. You've done a hundred million of these things. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now we're getting used to doing them. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> Viz
1: Kaspari, man, we're talking about you. And, and okay.
0: the ability,
1: I mean, I mean, the first and foremost thing, the, the thing that I love about you is that, you took a dream and you created a lifestyle and a business and you rocked it and you got to do it your way. Yeah. And then I just kind of want to dive into some of those aspects on, on how that's feasible. Okay. We got so many kids out there today. That's, uh, uh, the hand me kind of thing. give me, give me, give me, give me,
0: I'm definitely not a believer in things handed to, to me to you. And I always believe there's nothing for free in life. And if you get it handed to you free, it's going to come back to you where you're going to have to pay somehow. So that's important for, you know, people, your listeners to understand. Uh, that's why I believe in, you know, perseverance, hard work, focus, are going you know, to what make you you know successful and no life, uh, ambition is just a straight road up it's going to be it's going to have ups and downs and a lot of people when they go through the downs they give up and that's the point where when the going gets tough is when you got to dig deep and really push yourself i will go
1: past that real quick stay there for a second because uh any artist and i consider you an artist in a sense i consider bodybuilding an art show because you're creating this piece that you want, in a sense. You're the Michelangelo of your own creation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but artists will do things. And I, I wish there was a way I could say this without saying it. Because I don't want you to just go, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, Artists do things without the understanding that they're going to get repaid. They do it because they freaking love it. Yeah, They do music because they love it. They, they, they draw the pictures because they love it. Uh, in this case, you weight lifted as a youngster until it turned into a business because you loved it. You didn't get paid for it. Yeah. And so is that truly what it needs to be for the hardship? Because when it's hard, you're like, well, I didn't make it. I didn't win the show. I I didn't sell the painting. And my, my, my song didn't sell. So forget it. I'm done. I'm going to go get a nine to five. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is
0: it that kept you alive in the dark times? I I think it's just keep, keep going for that passion. I've had, I've had so many crossroads when you talk about different times in my life, you know, I remember days like training in a hot dingy gym, you know, in New Jersey in the middle of the summer where, you know, this gym that I had was up, up on the second floor, had no air conditioning, you know, hot as hell, like 110 degrees. And, you know, in that gym, well, we had was a fan, you know, this fan that was blowing us, but it was blowing hot air. And, you know, going to a gym on a Sunday to go train, you know, to try to win the nationals and, you know, going to that gym. And, and nobody's in that gym at that time because the gym's closed already. And, the, you know, the owner gave me the key. And I thought about those times in my life. And I was, you know, that was my, my early, you know, 20s. Uh, teen, Actually, teens going in there and doing it. And I said, wow, I really was inspired because I believed that I was going to be a champion. You know, even back then when there was doubters saying, you know, I was this kid from New Jersey and, you know, people are going like, how do you think that you're going to be a champion? You got all these guys that are great that, you know, first of all, you're in the wrong place. You're, you know, living in New Jersey, you're not living in Venice beach, you know, California. And, I just had my mindset that I wanted to be this champion, even though I had people doubting me that I could do it. I had, you know, my friends, my family. And, but I made it a point that I said, you know, if I'm consistent enough that I'll be able to make, you know, gains and, and become a champion, even when I became a champion, you know, I've always been told I didn't have the genetics to be a champion, you know, yet I've beaten, I've beaten genetic freaks, you know, throughout my career. And a I'll lot of the it, notes find, here because you're bypassing a lot of stuff. That's so important. Keep going. Keep going. But yeah, I've, I've beaten, I've beaten guys and you know, it's funny. I just, I look at YouTube and it, and they had a YouTube video on me recently saying, you know, uh, one of the greatest champions that had the, you know, the worst genetics. And I was on one of those guys. That they said, <laughs> I'm looking at that. I'm saying, shit, I haven't had genetics yet. I've beaten guys like Robbie Robinson, Bob Paris, Lee Labrada. you know, I've beaten greats, you know, that are considered having, you know, being genetic freaks. And I was still able to beat them because I put work into improving what I had. And a lot of people look at what they have and say, well, I'm just not good enough, but they don't sit there and say, well, what do I need to do to be the best that I can be? And I had to put all my efforts into that. When I was trying to beat Lee Haney, you know, I was coming second place three years in a row. I didn't sit there and say, I'm never going to beat Lee Haney. I thought to myself, I said, listen, I'm going to put all my efforts into this to be the best that Rich, Conspar- Rich Gasparri can be in this show. If I can go into that show at my best, and maybe Lee will be off or something will happen, I knew that I had a chance of winning. And, and those were those cold, dreary days when I was training for the Olympia and I was thinking, this guy's in a nice, warm, you know, sunny place, and I'm training in this cold, dreary New Jersey, you know, in the winter time with snow. But I made sure I made it to that gym every day because my goal was to beat Lee Haney and be the best Rich Gasparri could be. And that package got me in second place three years in a row against one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time, getting eight Mr. Olympias. In the world. In the world. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you you had the second greatest body of 7
0: billion people. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> uh, oh, well. but oh But I was, but I was told that I didn't have good genetics. <laughs> so right. you
1: bypassed and just jumped over because the listeners are gonna are, are gonna miss all this. Friends didn't believe in you. Family didn't believe in you. They questioned you. Um, genetics. You didn't care. You, first of all, you probably didn't even know as a teenager, do I have it or not have it genetic wise? Yeah, you didn't put that into play. You didn't cop out because of it. And then, so all those aspects, you just kind of went over. And I know that it, it's a life full of teachings that you have to teach everybody that's listening right now. And if they if they miss those little things, they miss everything. It's not that you took second. It's that you had doubters that were your friends. You yeah. had doubters that were your family. You had a, a possible, you weren't genetically gifted as Lee or Robbie. I mean, these guys... I mean, come on, Robbie Robinson, man.
0: Yeah.
1: He's 76 now, and I train with him, and he looks like a Greek god, and that just oh, bones. I know. He's, you're he's born not- with it, or you're not? Yeah, he's amazing. But you kept going regardless of what they said. So what was that? What was not, not even – there was, there was a, a fight in you that no other had because you went somewhere where nobody else could go. You you went right next to Lee Haney, who was uh, just the first to me, guy that had both genetic size, uh, um, great structure, good height. He had everything. Yeah, I, to me, he's still one of the greatest ever. And you oh. took second to him and beat so many guys that were Bob Paris, genetically gifted. Yeah, Robbie Robson, like we said, genetically, labrador genetically gifted. <laughs> and so, but you beat them all. Yeah. What was in, what was in the heart what was in the mind that said, I don't care that my family doesn't believe in me. Let me show them the, 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 I don't care that maybe I wasn't given the greatest genetics. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to give up. Yeah. What, what, what can you tell these kids, all those things right now that are, are dealing with lockdown, losing their jobs, uh, depression, depression, what do you tell them that that you had that they should have right now?
0: As as long as you don't quit, you're not a loser. You're not a quitter. And I think a lot of people it gets you know it gets really tough. Like I said, going against some of the greats and being told that I couldn't beat them, I still went to the gym every day. You know, improved on my weaknesses. You know, you know, strengthened my strengths. You know, I, I was known to be one of the What made me a great bodybuilder in my era was I was able to get more ripped than any bodybuilder in my era. How did I do that? And I looked at all the past competitors. I go, these guys are not that ripped and I have the ability to get really lean. So I really studied nutrition and diet, the foods I ate. I put everything in a log and and I wrote down everything because I said, okay, my advantage is that I'm using my brain to be better than these other bodybuilders. And you know, I learned to peak on every show that I competed in. So maybe these guys had you know better, you know, clavicle and smaller waists and all these different points. You I mean know that. Was, but if I was spot on at a show, I was able to beat them, and that's what my strengths are. I set a new standard. You know, it's cool to know that I set a new standard at my era in the sport that had to be followed on right into today. Where you know, if you didn't have straighted glutes, you weren't in shape. When before my era, nobody had straighted glutes. Nobody knew what a straighted glute was because seen it. I, guys used to cover their butts, you know, because now the trunk's classic. And what I did is I noticed when I was posing in a posing room, you know, and I was and I was looking at my my glutes and I'm like, holy shit, my, my glute tie into my hamstrings are ripped, but my trunks can't show it. So I made my trunk specially cut to show that point that I had an advantage over the other competitors. And that was done, you know, before anyone even thought about doing it. Now, if you look at the cut of what posing trunks look like, that was because of me. <laughs> That's, That's pretty I, cool, right? <laughs> you changed it. I changed, I changed the sport with all obstacles staying. I didn't have the genetic ability to be the best. You know, I didn't have a wide clavicle. So what did I do? I studied bodybuilders like Larry Scott who had huge shoulders and had a narrow clavicle and built my delts. I learned to do a side lateral perfectly, making sure my elbows were higher than my forearms and really focusing on my delts because I knew if I can develop my delts, I can cause an illusion of making myself look like I have a wider clavicle. I knew that, you know, my legs, I, I was so strong in legs. It was one of my strong points. Um, and But what I knew that is I did a lot of squatting. What it did, it I, it built my obliques. So I had to basically stop doing squats and go on to all different movements like leg press and hack squats and you know lunges and sissy squats and shrink my waist down or shrink my obliques. And then in my posing, what I would do is I would do a twisting double bicep to kind of hide that maybe I was a little wider. And all these points that I did on stage made me, Appear to look better than you know a competitor had better genetics because again he didn't present himself well.
1: You Another had good, thing you had a good. I don't, I, don't, I want them to go look at this. Look at your relaxed front position with a slight twist. Yes. People didn't. I, I think people just look, and I think society today definitely just looks and doesn't comprehend. And and I noticed that,
0: and I was like, oh, that's that
1: boy's smart. He knows what he's
0: doing. Well, it, it's another thing is that I and I'm I'm seeing it being neglected is posing. You know, posing was a big aspect. If you remember back when you hold, hold his- on,
1: don't go into posing yet, because you again you jumped
0: over stuff. You have a plug which is important was the presentation was very important. That was the illusion of being able to be on stage and practice hours of looking. You did at
1: something it. before that. You What's did that? before your posing. And I was just thinking about this the other day, because everybody, you put a program together, and I'll guarantee 99% of the, the, these Instagram elite trainers do this. They put the compound movement in, and they put some secondary stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, because not everybody shouldn't train the same. And you just kind of talked about it. So what did squats do to you? Well, squats did something you didn't want to happen to you, so you had to change it up. So, you actually just kind of remove that. Yeah. You completely changed the structure of your leg and you worked around exercises that developed your legs the very best for you. That workout couldn't work for
0: anybody else and probably wouldn't work for anybody else. But well, well, enough. Exactly. So, exercises that would grow my obliques to make my waist look thicker, I avoided. You know, so I wouldn't do full deadlifts. I would do half deadlifts because if I do full deadlifts, i would use my core and my obliques and my it would make me look wider you know cuz i my my obliques developed very easily so they were all points of of analyzing my physique and figuring out how can i take what i was born with and improve it you know and and that's where a lot of guys don't know how to do that. What they'll do is if they have weak legs, they still train their arms harder and they, they don't avoid, they don't sit there and say, let me train my legs harder and maybe not train arm, you know, not train arms because their legs are so weak, but that's.
1: You're, you're teaching the prior, I, I guess, which is frustrating for me is that uh, I could talk to you about these, just one little antidote for two hours. Just the one little thing about changing the training. It's like, well, why do you train arms so freaking hard? You got twenty-two inch arms, dude. Yeah. Freak out. You got pencil legs.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it's like, go go train the legs. No, no, no. I got to train everything hard because I'm a beast. Yeah, beast. You're, you're bouncing your head against the wall, being an idiot. Where you dissected it in in such a brilliant just psychology way that you broke it down and said, this is what's best for me, for my body to create it. Not just to be the guy, not to tell everybody, hey, I squat 700. You didn't care. You wanted to be the very best bodybuilder. So moving weight on the squat didn't matter to you relative to that glute hamstring tie-in, the shrinkage of the waist, which people don't even realize you can sh- shrink your waist if you do it properly and how to change it up and even over-train it to make it small. So you took it and you analyze it and you switch and I hope the viewers somehow comprehend that because I know that you're just kind of talking about it like well everybody should do this and everybody should know nobody does it
0: no trainer doesn't another another point I made is like and I see you know bikini competitors I was wearing waist trainers you know way back in you know in the 80s because you
1: were were training 110 degrees
0: (laughs) but it made but it I definitely made my waist smaller and that's why because it would it would take out glycogen and water into into that muscle and make your waist look smaller. It's funny. I would do that when I was trying to really bring down my waist to, to make that illusion that I was very, you know, that I was, that had an X frame, but I, I really had to work at that compared to certain people that had this genetics that just look like that naturally. So one thing I believed in is that I had the ability to work harder than a lot of other people, uh, you know, I was known even training in Venice as one of the hardest training guys in my, you know, my time. And I would put myself into that gym and I'd watch guys like Tom Platt's train. And I saw that and I said, you know what? He trains that hard. I can train that hard or I can train harder in my own way. You know, so a lot of it was just, you know, I said, maybe I don't have, maybe I'm not the best genetically gifted, but mentally I had it where I was going to work harder or outwork anybody that I saw in the gym, and make sure of that. And it—it was something I did mentally. If you looked at some of my older videos, and I had some crazy stuff that I would think when I was going to train for the Olympia, I would be like, if I don't go into the gym and put every effort into training today, that they were going to kill my whole family. <laughs> That's the kind of crazy thing I would think.
1: <laughs> People are going to go. That's so weird. I think every workout that I'm in a fight with another man. Yeah. When I grab the bar, I think of breaking his arm.
0: <laughs>
1: Curls or a shoulder press. Or what, that's my mindset. When I grab a bar to lift it, where everybody else is like, I just want to pump up the arms. You and me went somewhere different. We went dark.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would do. I would go dark. What you, You're just saying about, like, saying you're going to break someone's arm. I would go in there and say, this is my last and only effort to build my body to the optimum And the only way I'm going to do this, if I had this mindset that, you know, something was going to happen if I did it. And, and that's how I went to that gym every day when I was training for, you know, the Mr. Olympia and, and that's what made me become one of the greatest bodybuilders, you know, and I tell people, you know, the genetics I had was all here and the genetics I have here is what also parlayed into becoming successful you know, as an entrepreneur and businessman that I that I truly enjoy because I've had doubters in what I'm doing today. And it's funny because even today, you know, I'm able to reinvent myself again with my brand. My, my brand had its ups, my brand had its downs, and now my brand's coming back stronger than ever because I don't give up and I figure out ways of just doing it the way today you have to do it. And And that's what makes you, you know, that's what makes you great. And I said, as long as I'm alive, you know, I'm going to keep fighting. And it's funny, you know, I really knew there was a, there was a turning point in my life when actually my company was taken over by somebody else. Um, and you know, another person. And I remember that day vividly. I was at the Arnold classic. It was the 30th anniversary and they had all these champions on stage, all the winners. I was one of the winners and they had, you remember you have, Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler, Kai Green, myself, and they asked Arnold, "Who's the most memorable champion on this stage?" And he said, "Rich Gaspari." And he goes, "Because he's an animal." And he goes, "Not an animal in the sense that he's like ripping your head off. He's an animal because that guy never quits. He's a guy who will just do everything and anything to be the best. And as long as he does that, he'll always be successful." And let me tell you something. That was. Mike, that was a, a big moment in my life because I said, here's Arnold saying this. And I was at a moment where I had my business taken away and I was sitting there like, what am I going to do? Well, after that, I fought and got my company back you know, <laughs> and that happens. And, and now I'm, I'm where I'm at today. It took me some years to do it, but I, that was a turning point because I go a guy like Arnold believing in me and having this, um, perception of who rich Gasparri was pushed me to again fight get my company back and then build it back to where right now we're growing
1: so I want to talk about a couple things uh because I can so relate with the the moments and 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 the moment that you will remember forever will be Arnold saying what he said to you yeah and at that moment you kind of it just kind of because you respected him, also because of what he accomplished. This is somebody that's saying something to you. Now he could either crush you uh, and a person in that position, if we believe in them so much, like we do. I believe in Arnold, like, I think he's the pinnacle. So, but he said something to you and you're just like that reconfirmed your beliefs. Where, and the reason why I say that is because Joe Weeder said something to me when I was 20. Hmm. And that for me was the win. That was, for me personally, was better than winning the Mr. Olympia, what he told me. That set me up for a lifetime, and I'll never forget what he told me. But Arnold saying that to you kind of just kind of motivated you. And so I just want to say and take those. What can you tell the kids out there? Uh, because I, I get hate. You know, people come in all the time. The hate from others, even if it's a family member that you love or, or, or a friend that you love, if they go and don't believe in you and they are not supporting you, why does that not hurt you relative to, um, what is it about that? Cause I'm trying to figure out a way to talk to these kids going, don't worry about the hate on social media. Don't worry about people talking bad about you. It's not about it's, it's who's saying these things about you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It matters if, if, if I get off this podcast with, you, and you go, that Michael Hearn's a douche. You know, that hurts me because I respect you so much. Yeah. Something that would hurt me. But if Joe Blow on the internet that has nothing and is going, oh, you're a piece of sh-, doesn't do anything to me. Yeah. How do, you, how do you deal with that kind of hate and stuff and, and keep the focus well, of who's important in your life?
0: What you said is, is you take it with a grain of salt, there's a lot of people out there that first are jealous, second don't have the ability to work and and do the things or have the mindset you know a lot of people conform and give up very easily so when you have someone that's kind of outside of that thinking they go "Ah, oh, that guy he's a loser and it, it just it just happens that way and, and you know I look at life when you, you what you said exactly uh, you know Joe is also a mentor of mine because just like you had experiences it's funny how Joe changed so many lives. It's cool to hear your story. You know, Lee tells me stories. He's told me so many things that have motivated me, um, you know, in starting my business. You know, that's another one. Another point that when you talk about Joe, this is after, you know, he sold the company. I went to go visit Joe and I said, Joe, I want to tell you what I'm doing. And he goes to me, Richie, I know exactly what you're doing. He goes, I'm really proud of you. You started your company and I'm really proud of what you've been able to do. And this is, you know, when Gasparri was really doing well. And I'm like, wow, Joe was paying attention to what I was doing. And I was like amazed by that. This is after Joe. I mean, he was like in his late 80s or almost 90. And I'm like, this guy knows what I'm doing. And it it felt good, you know, because he is an important part of our lives. You know, Joe is, Arnold is. So when those people say something... It matters more. But those type of people are not going to say things that are going to be negative. They're not going to do that, especially when you're doing well. I look at guys like you and I'm like amazed and, you know, kudos to what you've been able to accomplish that, you know, not only about your physique, but still being so, you know, you were relevant like me back in the 80s and now it's 2021 and you are still killing it. And that shows you're a winner and 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 you're consistent to continually have that message to grow like you have. And that was one of the reasons, you know, like I said, you had, a, I had you on my podcast. It's, it was just amazing what you've been able to do. Um, and when there's people, when you see, when you, there's a winner, they see another winner and they take pride in that winner. They don't sit there and they judge that winner. You know what I mean? I, I look at a lot of people and, I love to see guys successful. It motivates me. You know what I mean.
1: Why can we do that? Why can we do that? Why can we? Why, why can we be guys and go? Geez, man, The Rock, freaking awesome. I Cr- love them. <laughs> Arnold, still Stallone. Guy guys, you know, you, you can bullshit with them. You can talk to them. That you can be smart asses with them. You can train with them, and we can give them props. And there's not that ugliness or jealousy of it. You're just going, dude, that's awesome. That pushes me. Why is society such a, I guess, a glutton for punishment to where they want to poke, they want to put you down? Why do they? What's the science? What's the the philosophy behind doing that and wasting your time? You don't have enough time to go on Michael Hurd's Instagram page and go, dude, you suck. <laughs> you don't have time for that. It doesn't cross uh, your mind that you would even waste a second to do something like that.
0: So what what can you tell these kids I mean just, just worry, like more worry about yourself and what you're trying to accomplish in life. You know, set a goal and go for it. And you know, do your best in, in accomplishing that goal. You may not become a great, you know, bodybuilding champion, but there's so many things you you know you can be able to do by having that focus of being the best that you can be and what you've been giving you know, from God, there's only, it's the only thing you can do. And, you know, I believe that as long as you don't quit in what you do, you can accomplish something, you know, and, and I tell people, you know, people say, ah, oh, you've been gifted and you can given," you know, right, right? Go, you're handed this. <laughs> yeah, this? Well, it, it's just, you know, it said to me and I'm, about those days
1: that you were talking the, the 110, nobody in the gym, you there in the afternoon, nobody's there busting. they don't know about that
0: No or, or even they the winters
1: every day at three o'clock and have been doing it since 1983. <laughs> they don't give a sheesh about that. They just see you now successful crushing it and go ah, you're given.
0: Yeah, it was given to all that <laughs> That's what, and, and if I look at every single person that are successful, Nobody was given crap. (laughs) None of these people that are, that are up there that are doing it. But what they do is they have this, they have the mindset and, you know, I call it the champion mindset and they have that ability to look at negativity and fight through it, you know, and that's, what's really important for anyone out there. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I know that people always, it's funny. It's, People go, oh, get rid of the uh, chip on your shoulder. Uh, don't let the negativity hit you. No. No, we use it in a different... We use it as gasoline. Yes. It lights a fire within. It doesn't hurt us. Them them complaining about what we're doing or how we're doing it and stuff doesn't hurt us. It, it just fires us up even more. It's funny. It's I, like poking the bear. It's like, you want to see us get ugly? We'll get ugly.
0: Yeah. No, it's, I've, I've definitely been motivated by you know, critics that have made, you know, points of saying that I was unable to do something, you know, I'm good friends with him now, but, you know, Bill Dobbins, you know who he is, you know, good photographer. He, when I won the nationals, um, he goes, that's it for Rich's career. He's not going to do anything after that. And I trained like an animal, went into my first pro show, came second to Beckles, came third in the Olympia, and then I go to Bill, you know, and then he became, you know, a big fan of mine. But I go, you know what inspired me, Bill, was you making that comment that I could never do anything after, you know, getting my pro card. And I proved you wrong. <laughs> he's like, what does it matter what I said? I said I used it as fuel to be the best that I can be. And just like you said, there, there's actually he's, he's someone that's kind of important in the industry, you know, in our time, that I still used it as a way to be better you know you can have people that can tell you things that you can say you know what i'm going to show this person or you could have like i said things that joe have said to me or arnold have said to me that have inspired me to say man i'm on the right path i'm doing the right thing
1: you know i, I don't want the fans to think that all these do all these good guys and stuff talk only highly of us it's not that way either i'm gar i'll guarantee joe at some point said hey rich this needs to be fixed or you got to do this and stuff because I know that I showed up at a photo shoot once and and he took me to the side and he goes and he gave me a lecture and I'm like okay noted yeah never made that mistake again um, and it was like okay so it's not like it's not like these guys only praised us yeah was straight up what it was
0: no they told they told the truth you know they were very honest and, and but these people have made these points, we're not saying it to hurt us. No, They're saying it to help us. So that's the difference. You know, you have people, you know, in your life that are there to help you or criticize you to make you better, you know, and that's important too, to have true friends that can critique you and say, you know, you don't want just someone kissing your ass. Oh, you're great. You're great. You're great. You need, you need people to also telling you when you're off track and that's important too, to have. The true people in your life.
1: You're from Jersey, so, I, and I'm assuming from what I know of the East Coast, from what I've dealt with, yeah. and then my girl's born and raised in in uh, a communist country, and then uh, lived in Manhattan. And so I I know the realness of the East Coast yeah. and the Eastern Bloc kind of woman. So no punches are held back in a sense. But with that being said, uh, most of my guys. And or, or, or my circle of friends, girls and guys are, are straight up uh, beasts, you know, Boston, kind of New Jersey, you know, kind of guys that just say, hey, this sucks. This is good. This is bad. Fix this. Um, and I love that. I freaking love having that circle around me that is next level. And, and, and because,
0: they're, because they're honest with you, they're honest with you. Totally. And you um, trust their judgment because they're out for your the, your best effort, and and that's the difference. When you know people do critique you when they're doing it for your best effort, or they're just doing it out of you know jealousy. And when it comes to social media, that's one of the biggest critics. And you know, like I said, I I've been I've been I if you took all that, especially guys like us that you go on stage in our underwear and get judged on our the way our bodies look. You have to have a tough skin. Yeah. Because you have someone say, oh, Mike doesn't have this or, you know, he's not, he wasn't that lean or, you know, all this crap that yeah. people, you know, judge you on and you have to have a tough skin to say, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and, you know, the same thing, you know, bodybuilding gave me a tough skin to be able to take that criticism and, and be able to see the difference between constructive criticism and just jealous criticism. That's a difference.
1: I think um, something I can see in you, and, and it, it is the aspect of humbleness and the kid. We're still the kids. We're still the 14-year-old kid going in the gym, lifting, that we love that shit, and we love the the, the banter. Um, but it's the, the humbleness of knowing that we can still get better. And Definitely this in a sense of knowing oh, we can still get better there's still things that we can fix and i'm not talking about lifting weights i'm not talking about our physiques i'm talking about life there's things in life that we can get better at uh and dominate at and and so i think it's a cool ability that you have that you got the humbleness to go no there's still things i need to learn and i still crush it and i'm still even going to be a better person so it's we keep growing
0: I that's that's definite I I do believe stay humble no matter how great you become staying humble is very important and and having gratitude you know every day I'm I'm I have gratitude of what I've been given it's not where I always want to be but I'm always saying to myself you know what I'm very I have gratitude of what I have and it could be worse And, and like I said I have had points where it was my lowest point in my life. And I still had gratitude to say, you know what? I still have food on the table. I, you know, I'm not sick. You know, I have a, you know, beautiful daughter, you know, and there's just things in life that you always have. So always make sure that you look at that in life is, is have gratitude every day for what you have, not what you don't have.
1: Let's talk about focus because something you just said there was interesting it also clarifies focus. And what I mean by that is uh, we could have a hundred things that we want to do. And we want to do this over here. We want to go do that, but we want to hang out with these people, but, but we got this stuff to do. Then I got these responsibilities to do, but I'm irritated with the news because they're talking about this, that, and the other thing. And, And so I'm going everywhere, but Focus is the understanding of the most important thing. And so like, if you're sick, you want one thing to be healthy, Yeah, to be healthy, yeah. it takes everything else away. So what is it about you that keeps you laser focus on, on what you want to do? And, and what could you tell these kids out there to stop? Um, Cause we weren't the party kids in the twenties. We weren't yeah. kids in our teens. We were freaking like Arnold said, animals in the gym focused on a goal before everybody else even realized what their
0: goal was. So what is it that that you could tell these kids to kind of well process? There's a lot of distraction, especially in today's era of the social media and, you know, people constantly going on there and going on TikTok, uh, TikTok and, you know, Instagram. And you know, a lot of time you got to like stop looking at the white noise and focus on what you want to accomplish and you know take away those distractions because a lot of times you could sit there for hours on on Instagram if you want to and you're wasting time because you're not doing the work of course you and I use it now as a business tool you know it becomes and I and that's how I treat it it's a business tool because if you put your personal crap on there and it's just to me it's not it's not worth it you know I use it as a business tool I use it to convey my message, um, talk about my brand, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm getting better. You're great at it. I'm learning cause I'm a dinosaur to learn how to be able to use it as a tool to let people know who Rich Gasparri is. And as long as I can be able to convey that message, it, it helps in anything you do. But when you're talking about, you know, kids out there, is they get distracted by TV, yep. the news, you know, the pandemic, You know, and, you know, the pandemic has been a horrible thing that happened in our lives. And, but you can actually learn how to dig deep, you know, during this time, you know, I really dug deep in in building my company back stronger because a lot of other companies, what they were doing is they were hiding under the table saying, oh my God, it's the end of the world. I looked at it as an opportunity. And when I did that, I saw my business grow like quadruple, and it's been funny that i i did something like and a lot of people have been doing i noticed certain people that have been able to be successful during hard times during here's a good example you know uber was made during the uh 2008 housing crisis when you know the whole economy crashed and so this guy was like thinking that like what's a way of like you know using a car instead of a taxi you know and he figured out how to do this and of course the guy was a genius but a was, lot of business just they, an app. It just there no was nothing it was like brilliant <laughs> and the guy became a billionaire but you know it's just during hard times there're certain people that rise to the top you know it's like you look at these war heroes like they're they're normal people but during times of crisis they rise to the top and become heroes and that's and that's what happens in life. So, you know, when you're asking, you know, what can these kids do? Is don't listen to. I always say, don't listen to the white noise. White
1: noise. Just get it out of your head. It's it's interesting. I I uh, we both have youngsters, and and uh, I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson, who's a child psychologist. Um, and one of the things that I thought was very interesting and nobody speaks about is that. Everybody right now is talking about their rights, their rights, their rights. And he's like, stop talking to them about what their rights, because there's more rights for every human alive right now than there's ever been in the history. Start talking to these kids about their responsibilities. And I was like, wow, that's I haven't heard anybody say that in that sense. And just what's your responsibility? Well, take care of your family, take care of your friends, you know, take care of yourself, be healthy. Um and, and it's interesting that uh, you can get so tight up in what's going on in the world that you lose focus on what's your responsibilities and don't do that. And I think for everybody out there, there's kids out there right now, focus out, write down. Um, and that's where I want to go next to, because I, I want to jump back for a second because there was some notes I took. Um, write down a book. You and I, and it seems as though a lot of us old 80 guys did books and we kept notes, and we took down in journals, and we, and we analyzed it. And we didn't just write it down, hey, today, this is my workout. We went back and analyzed it and go, what, what, what worked? What did I do wrong there? What nutrition worked? What nutrition didn't work? So going back to the, the book when you were a kid, and, and do you still have your book?
0: Do you have any of the you old know, actually, unfortunately, you know, uh, I had a lot of stuff stored in my mom's basement. Oh, no. her house burned down. So I lost all these journals that I wish I had today because those are the I journals. I know. I you buy copies are... of those things. And in there, what you just said is it wasn't just here's my workout. I I'd have, you know, my calories, protein, carbs, fats, my workouts, how I felt, you know, what did I look like? Was I was I holding water? Was I, you know, you know, how was my diet, everything from digestion, you know my energy levels all these different things that i i wrote down you know very intricate on my on on how day-to-day how i felt how, how i looked. You when you started doing i started doing that when i moved to california i was uh, 19 years old and i started keeping a journal Love every that. day When i was doing this with lee haney when i was living with lee haney writing down everything i was doing and i kept you lived with lee haney You didn't know that I lived with Lee Haney? I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the- That is the coolest thing in the world. Before I turned pro, I lived in California. I was amateur training in the gym in the Valley. And Lee was, he just turned pro. He came third in the Olympia. And I was training in the gym as a manager of the Gold's Gym in Reseda. And basically uh, Lee Haney saw me training. And he goes, he just saw I was an animal and he came up to me. He goes, Hey dude, he goes, you know, I'm getting ready for Olympia. I need a really good training partner. Would you be interested in training with me? And I'm like, yeah, you wanna, yeah. you're so, like, so freaking lucky.
1: Oh my God.
0: So I started training with him and I got to tell you a lot of my training methods. I was like, I said, an animal in the gym, but he taught me how to hone in and improve my physique. Of course, you know, focus on the body parts what was funny is there was a turning point when I was living in California that I, I was running out of money. I, I was going to go back to New Jersey and Lee offered for me to live with him because I was training so well with him. So the last 10 weeks before the Olympia and me going to the national, he goes, just live with me, you know, and my wife. And this was not some big house. This was an apartment and I was living in this little room and you know he was there with his wife and we lived together for 10 weeks and what was really exciting about that year is you know I pushed him he pushed me but that year he won his first Mr. Olympia and I won the nationals in Mr. Universe to turn pro and that's something I'll never forget um him and i was you know you heard of the bible iron sharpens iron we were both just like you know that that
1: now is my favorite story ever that you've told me (laughs) it it it, the the i know lee and i know what kind of a man he is and he's such a um bright and and again i was going to say this earlier that your mindset of how you train and the way you philosophize or, or, or put your plan together is very Lee like, because I know how bright he was uh, when it came to training. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting that I didn't even know that about you guys, that you guys live together and, and,
0: and just two, two beasts. Like you guys live in. It was together. funny. He goes, he goes hey. I hadn't even, he goes, I didn't even know I was sleeping with the enemy because remember <laughs> I was just an amateur. <laughs> and, then, and then a year later, I was head-to-head competing against him, coming in third, my first Mr. Olympia. He, he always had, like, you know, he even said, Rich, you don't have the best genetics, but what you have is you have such intensity that I've never seen in a competitor. And during our rivalry, he would always say, like, that's a guy, if I'm not on my game, he'll come up and beat me. And, and this is a guy with, like you said, one of the greatest genetics and one of the greatest Mr. Olympia. So I always took that and said, wow, that's what he thought of me. And, um, but if, you know, there's things
1: they're gonna miss. Everybody's gonna listen to this and go, "That's cool that they live together and they train together." No, what's cool is that Lee goes, "That's a freak. That guy's freaking crazy. Okay. <laughs> I'm with him. That's who I train with, and yes, that's just my approach, and this is what I believe in." It's like I, oh, I don't want to train with you. You're crazy. Yeah, no, I have to work out harder. I want that for training partner. That that is the coolest thing. And I wish these kids would would look for that. When instead of what kids do today is they go, hey Bobby, you want to go to the gym and train? Yeah. Worry about your friend Bobby. Go to the gym. Look for the baddest dude in the gym and see if you couldn't follow him around and train next to him. Exactly. Same thing with business. Find not a guy, that, don't, don't find a guy that was rich for a second. Find a guy that's been rich for 20, 30, 40 years and go, I need to learn from that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much stuff you're spitting out right now that if these guys
0: just grab a little bit, you could write a whole book on this of, of how to succeed. And what was good about me and Lee is, of course, I learned from Lee, but when he had his off days, I would piss him off because he'd be, I'd be like, That's all you can do. And he would get so mad, he goes, how could you speak to me like that? You're an amateur. I said, Lee, it don't matter. I said, you're training like a pussy today. And I'm going to say it like it is. And he would, he goes, man, I'd have my best workouts because I pushed him. And, you know, he basically says, you know, his first Olympia win is because I was able to push him, you know, to become yeah. the best that he could be. And, you know, one thing I regret is my, the last Olympia competitor's eighth Olympia. He asked me to move to Georgia because he lived in Georgia to train with him for that last Mr. Olympia. Now I, you know, I regret it now. I wish I, sh- I would have been out there. Cause he wanted to have that same yeah. you know, intensity to win it. And you know, he ended up winning it anyways. And, uh, but I, it was it just like, been a great. Those moments. Wow, it's, and you know, I have the yeah. deepest respect, you know, unlike any of the competitors that came second the league, you know, when people say you should have beaten them, I said, dude, He's the greatest bodybuilder of all time, you know, that I went against. I'm not going to sit there and disparage a guy who, first of all, was very spiritual. He, you know, he was a guy who brought me into his house. Now, that didn't need to do that. Nope. And I always have to realize what a good guy he is. He is is such a good guy that I have, to me, he's my brother, you know, because it was, you don't do those kind of things to say, Hey, live with me for, you know, 10 weeks, you know, while we're dieting for a show.
1: The worst (laughs) of the worst. I get off my assistant over here two weeks because I am at that stage where it's just depletion, depletion, depletion. Just everybody go away from me, (laughs) but he goes, no, no, come live with me. But see, it's cool that he understands that. And you guys were like, no, we're both in this. Let's go.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had some difficulties. I mean, there was one time, I guess, cause I was dining and I was rude to his wife and he goes, you better apologize to my wife right now. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I had to big, I had to beg Shirley for forgiveness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like, but it was all, it was all good. It was, like I said, it was a great experience. And again, you know, I guess Lee saw something in me, that young kid that, you know, was just motivated to be the best. He saw that in me and he saw how hard I trained. And it's like I said, he's like one of the greatest of all time that uh, that he, you know, he wanted to be part of that. And, you know, you ask about these young kids, you know, what can you do to be successful? Be around people that are successful. Be around people that are hungry. Don't be around the doubters. Don't be around the, the guys who are like just down and out and, you know, negative. Be with those people that are positive. Those are people that are going to bring you up, you know, everything, make you everything that we say
1: is what the old timers told us. Yes. Kids. And we were like, ah, if I knew now, if rage, <laughs> I'd rule the world. All that stuff they said is true. All the stuff about, don't be around the naysayers. Don't be around those guys. Be around people that are better than you in every aspect. It just brings you to a different level. And you're right. It's like, I wish I was that kid again, but listen. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're listening to this podcast and and YouTube and watching this, we're not telling you stuff that kind of worked for us. We're telling you stuff that works for people, for successful people. All successful people do those things. Yes. And that's why they succeed. It's the guy that complains about their lives. And it's like, dude, you're hanging out with these five hoods. You know, what do you expect? You go hang out with five successful businessmen, millionaires, or guys that train six days a week to make pro football, you're going to get better. Yeah. And so I I hope these people out there uh, really grab onto this and and give so much insight on so many things. Um, The struggles, it's all about the struggle. Keep moving forward.
0: It's the journey, you know, there's so many struggles and you just have to embrace those struggles and and learn from them to make you better. That's another thing that people, they look at and say, ah, I'm just giving a bad hand in life. And that's, that's bullshit. Everybody goes through ups and downs and, you know, there are so many people out there that are really inspirational, you know, you know, people that are handicapped that are, you know, doing great things, you know, there's... yeah, because they have don't that jump mindset. Past
1: that. Don't jump past it because people ask me all the time, what keeps you motivated? I got two arms and two legs at work and I'm alive. Yeah. If, you, if that doesn't keep you motivated, I don't want to talk to you. I got friends that are paralyzed from the neck down. Angela, my friend, it's called Roller Girl. She has a TV show and she's paralyzed from the neck down. She was a model 20 years ago until a car accident paralyzed her. and uh, And she still became a success because of what she believed in. But she how much do you feel like she would want to get up off that chair and be able to move her arms and legs again and go work out? And then you're asking me, what motivates you? I can move. Yeah, We can get up and go. And you're right. There's, there's, there's handicapped people out there that are crushing it. Now you, you get today's society, everybody complains. Ah, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch those people because it's, it's an amazing opportunity that we have in this world especially being here. So um, I'm gonna jump back on two fitness questions Mm -hmm. Um, because at this age, there's something I always, there's some things I believed in as a young kid that saved me in my career. Uh, One was the inner function of the body, connective tissue and bone density. And I, I learned at a young age how important that was more than muscle for athletics and for longevity. And then the second thing was skin. These are things that kids don't think about. They think about, I want to get strong. I want to build muscle. They don't think about the other things. And something that you did is you wore a waist trainer. Now let's say hypothetically, it doesn't do anything except get out water. Let's say hypothetically, that's all it does if it gets out water, that means your skin is tighter. Yeah. And then as your skin is it's crisper around the muscles, if it's crisper around the muscles, it shows better. Yeah. So you wore something like that in the eighties and people are still kind of arguing that point. Now, when, when I think skin is one of the most important things, I don't care how jacked you are. If you don't got healthy looking skin and it's not Saran wrap, you're not showing nothing on stage. Were you at saran wrap around your glutes and ass, you just like there was nothing there. What can you tell them about the importance of like skin and taking care of your skin or taking care of the inner body instead of just focusing on the muscle?
0: Well, you want to make sure I remember even back when I was in my early 20s, used a lot of, you know, you know, creams to keep my skin supple and, you know, sounds supple, <laughs> supple. <laughs> um, but you know, just a fans only account. Yeah, yeah. But you know, just keeping you know, you do have to keep your skin healthy. You know, using you know, you, not using like petroleum's, but using like vegetable oils that will go in so that your skin stays healthy and, and elastic. Because when you do get that really lean look, you're not going to do it if your if your skin is not healthy. You know, being able to take in. Back in the day, I was I was taking in collagen. Collagen is very important for your skin. You know, it helps today. Now it's so big, you know, helping wrinkles. But back then I was using, remember Knox gelatin? It was called KNOX gelatin. I was using that back in the day when nobody even knew why I was using it. I said, oh, because uh, collagens help, you know, repair your skin, helps your joints, your ligaments. And I was told this years ago, you know, and I was using this Knox nice gelatin. And we were like, oh, there's, you know, uh, collagen protein is useless. Now it's become this big craze. Big craze. It's, it was so funny, but 30 years ago, it was useless. Um, a lot of things, you know, I, I look at what I did, you know, for bodybuilding. You know, we talk about, you know, getting water out. I noticed that when I was eating any type of like like pastas, any wheat products, if I eat any wheat products, I noticed that I would hold water. And I experimented where I would take in, you know, breads and pasta and, and try to diet with the same macronutrients as I did with sweet potatoes and rice. And I was like, holy crap, I was taking in these carbs and I was taking in the same carbs, why was I holding water? You know, because listen, I'm Italian, I love pasta, I love bread but I knew when I ate those foods that I couldn't get super lean. Why was the reason? I figured out it was gluten. So today there's all this craze about gluten-free diets. And I was doing this back in 1985. <laughs> I was doing this because I figured it out on my own. And we go back to that journal that I kept and I would experiment. And for me, food was a, 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 was a means to get, to look a certain way. Food was not to me for enjoyment. Of course, we eat food for enjoyment. And today, you know, I'm not as you know, the way I was when I competed, but when I competed, foods was a way to get me to look a certain way. So I didn't I didn't care if it tasted like crap. I was gonna eat it if it helped me. You know, and and that was the thing about writing everything down in that journal. And that taught me later on, because I read other and reading books and in and, and knowledge is power. I learned about gluten and that was one of my secrets in getting that super ripped is I learned that if I can cut out all glutens that my body was going to get much tighter and and, and ripped.
1: So a couple of things that you, you, you went on and I agree with you and me tested ourselves on foods. We tested on training. We tested ourselves. We didn't just stay with the norm. We go, Well, let me try this. Let me see what this does. Let me see what this does. We didn't go, well, Bobby Joe said, this is the workout. Stay with that workout. We tested it. And that's something that I've always done through my lifetime is continuously test different diets, different training. I can't speak on something if I haven't done it. Yeah. So I love that aspect that that you're similar to that. And we tested it. And food, again, if you want to physique a certain way, food is the means to get there. Stop telling me that, oh, I don't want, I'm, I'm sick of chicken. Dude, I was sick of chicken 40 years ago. Shut up. <laughs> it's like, if you want to create a physique, maybe you shouldn't have ate, you know, pizza the last two two decades. Yeah. You know, now you're stuck in this position. But something else is that it's funny that uh, lotions on skin, dude, that's not manly. Yeah. I'm a man. I don't put lotion on skin dude, I was doing that shit as a teenager. I started modeling at 14 and, and my mom would uh, every night put on oil, oil valet on her yeah. face, she white face. And I'm like, why do you do that? And she goes, so my skin is healthy. She yeah. had porcelain skin. I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing that at that age. And, and, and through my lifetime, I've been teased on that. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I don't care about that. Cause the one aspect that you and I did is, and this is kind of a, Kills a sales pitch in a sense. Can you be? Can you get better in your forties? Sure you can. Can you get better in your fifties? Sure you can. Can you be at your level? Well, we've been doing this since we were teenagers, and it's not like we got in shape for a year and then got out of shape. We got in shape and we stayed in shape through our lifetime. So it's the some hate comes because I'm a mid-fifty-year-old man whatever physique I have now. And they're like, ah, you know, you suck. Or others go, Hey, I got time. I've been doing this for a while. So I don't know if you got time technically, but if I can talk to the 20 year olds, start doing the stuff that you did start doing the stuff that I did at 20. Don't go, Oh, I got time. I can do it when I'm 40, you know, because of our age, people chalk that up. Why is why do they just go, I can get like rich in a year. I'll turn 60. I'll train for a year. I'm rich. Done. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I turn 50, mid fifties. I train for a year. I look like Mike. <laughs> so what would you tell to the young kid going, well, actually we put cream on when we were in our teenage years and twenties and
0: being, being proactive and taking care of yourself is you don't want to do it when it's already too late. You want to start earlier. And that's the, that's the thing. Like I was using creams way back, you know, because I knew that it was going to help. It, my reasoning was I wanted to make my skin look really tight. And how would I be able to do that? I didn't want loose skin. I want to make sure that it was that it, because I wanted to look great on stage. And, you know, I used to tan a lot and I knew that. Shoot, I got to make sure that damages the skin. What do I got to do? Make sure I use SPF. Make sure I use a lot of creams so I don't have dry skin. And what happens is, if you just neglect that, by the time you're 40 and 50, it's you're, it's too late, you know. So you have to make those points of taking care of yourself before you start showing the signs of aging. You know that's what people forget. So even a guy in their 20s should be taking care of themselves now.
1: And I know that right now, people are listening to this, and we're not saying you 40 year olds and 50 year olds, it's over. You're no. definitely going to get better than you were. Yeah, if, if you're a youngster and you don't comprehend the fact that you got to start now to be success in 30 years, it's got to be compounded over time. If you skip it for the next 25 years, you're not going to be able to make it up at the end there.
0: Definitely. I, you know, it's funny. I did a podcast on uh, Dexter Jackson just recently and, you know, he made improvements into his mid 40s, you know, 40s and right into competing in the last Olympia, 51, 52. And, you know, when he was first, when he first started, he said, I used to be able to eat three meals a day, train three days a week and, you know, win shows. And then his body changed. And he just, he just learned that he had to make changes because his body changed. And he said, I always use free weights. And then I had, um, he moved, he went to Venice to train with, um, Charles Glass and, he goes, dude, I was using machines. I never use machines, but I made those changes and my physique started getting better. I changed my diet and my physique started getting better where most guys, you know, and I, you know, I talked to him. He's pretty inspired because, you know, he's, he he still stayed relevant from his for 20 for 24 years as a competitive bodybuilder. He was in 22 Olympias and I go, what what made that difference that you were able to stay that long? Is he goes, first, I never abused my body. Secondly, I, I knew that, you know, sometimes you're you're stuck on a, a training method. He yep. goes, I had to change, you know, in my 40s and what I did in my 20s and 30s to change my body to start to improve. And he goes, my turning point, you know, he won the Olympia 2008. In 2010, he started going down, you know, in his placings. And he started, that's when he made his changes, went with Charles Glass, went with George Farah. And he started improving from 2010 to 2020, you know, 2020. He won, I don't know, four more Arnold's, you know, placed top five in the Olympia. You know, and that's another thing, you know, people need to consider is your body does change. And, you know, you and I have changed our training methods as we as we age because your body changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, you gave me so much today, man. I appreciate you taking time.
0: Yeah, this is enjoyable. You know, I love doing this, and it's always great to speak to you, Mike. Dude, I
1: love the Lee Haney that you lived with. <laughs> like two guys like you, uh, dieting, depleting, living they're in a small apartment. That's a TV show.
0: Yeah, well, it, it should have been a TV show, believe me. there's there's so There's so much more to go on, so... For another show, I could tell you about it.
1: <laughs> you definitely got to team up again um, because I want to talk about uh, training as a teenager and how you and me kept journals. Uh, I have my journal. I have my journal. I started when I was eleven, taking wow. pictures and measurements and everything and, and workouts, and uh, I have that journal. And so it's just cool to run against. Other guys that were, you know, training in the 70s and 80s that were doing the same exact thing and how we believed and and that putting cream on isn't weird. It's the smartest thing you can do. Uh, Keeping notes in journals is a smart thing to do and analyze it. So you just uh, reinforce my belief on old school methods.
0: Cool. Thanks, brother. Yes. Enjoyed it. And, and take me in pictures of the little one and all that stuff, all right? You probably heard him in the background. <laughs> He's
1: screaming and yelling. How old now?
0: He's one and a half.
1: One and a half, all right. We're, yeah. We're closing in, man. Uh, I got a couple more months here, and my boy turns two. Wow. So, man, it That's, goes.
0: It's fun. It is. All right, brother. Have a great Thank day. You, buddy. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you. Talk, talk to, to you.
1: All right. Um, well, we're still recording right now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Guys, Rich Kaspari, again, um, pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Just because every single person out there right now is going to give the excuse of, I don't have the genetics. Um, I don't live in the right place. I uh, uh, Family doesn't believe in me. My friends don't believe in me. You just heard from the guy that had the second greatest physique for years, uh, and he compete. He would have the greatest physique, but he was just competing against the, the freaking greatest, in my opinion, uh, body on stage. Lee Haney who was two hundred and fifty pounds in shape and everything, and height. And so it's like he was competing against the very best. There's so much knowledge that that guy has that just gave you that I hope you guys take this and and use it in a good way, especially with what's going on right now with the lockdowns going into 2021. Um, We are continuing these lockdowns. Uh, You have a workout plan from me that you can do at home without weights. You got a workout plan from me and Mona that you can do at home with dumbbells alone. Um, You got our apps, um, not our apps, but our workout plans for If you have a gym, you can get to a gym and train. You have our nutrition. It doesn't matter what age you are. Give me 24 to 48 hours for you females and males of any age for us to get you the right program back to you. If you don't want to work with me and you want to work with a female, then you work with Mona, Miss Universe, um, and she will get you on the right nutrition plan. Uh, We both have the workouts. Again, man, I'm pumped. That was Again, I'll, I'll try to, uh, I'll have my team here trim that down and make those bullet points really clear to you guys that uh, you can succeed if you do it right um, and, and make the right steps. So I'm glad you guys hung out with us. This will be uh, uh, launched on the celebration of my second launch of the Titan Series. Our protein is out, our um, lean dreams, the Titan Zs. So you gotta get. Uh, I'm all sweaty now. Uh, you gotta get, get um, jacked and ripped while you sleep, and then you guys know I'm a freak on the glutamine, so I had to do my own glutamine glutamine blend for recovery. And then we have the original pump. Uh, we have the uh, original um, joint support, which you saw me and Rich talk about. The joint support is so key. Uh, everybody needs to be on joint support at at 18 up. All right, get going on that. That's it for now, guys. Have a great day today. I appreciate you guys. Um, I will see everybody in the Titan crew uh, where we will do your check-ins, look over your photos, look over your training, make sure your macros and your your nutrition is perfect. And uh, that is our day. Have a good one. Oh, wait wait a
0: minute.